Hey guys, welcome to this week of the podcast, The Bison Hour. <laughs> this week on the mic, we have Jimmy Owens. Uh, Jimmy owns a media production company here in Oklahoma City called... Design Tunnel. Design Tunnel. I've known Jimmy for a number of years. We actually used to work across the hall together when I was yeah. in a little 8 by 10 office and Jimmy would come over all the time and tell me I was talking too loud because they were filming a TV commercial or would something I? like that in your studio. Would I? Yeah. No, you were super nice. You were super nice about it. Um, but I, I love, you know, your story and I, I love interviewing business owners um, to kind of just teach everybody, you know, what, what normal people have to go through in order to find their level of success in life. And um, you were a perfect candidate for, for the podcast. I think anybody that's gone through a lot in life to get through struggles to get to where they are, you know, here for a reason. Sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, how you grew up and. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a long story. I don't know if we have enough time. We got plenty of time, dude. We're here for you. <laughs> so uh, were you born in Oklahoma? Born in Oklahoma from, um, <clears throat> thanks Alexis. Uh, born in Oklahoma uh, from a small town called Minko. Mm-hmm. I uh, graduated with 27 people, my graduating class. Where uh, is Minko? Uh, West Oklahoma. So, so you were in, you were in like the desert, like just no desert. It's, it's cow town, man. It's farm. It's farm. So but it's just plains, right? It's mm -hmm. flat. Pretty and, much. Okay. Yeah. You know, like where El Reno, mm, that area. So El Reno, um, then Union cities to the South and okay. then goes next. In or if you're farther east, if you go Tuttle, uh, you know where Tuttle is? Tuttle? I do know where Tuttle is. Tuttle yeah. is just the town east of Minko. Minko's a small town, right? Oh, yeah. It was uh, one time I looked up the population. It was like 1,300. So know. everybody knows each other. You know, you're friends with upperclassmen and lowerclassmen. Mm -hmm. Just everybody goes right. to the same high school and... Did you uh, no, there's an elementary, a middle school, and a high school. So, so literally, they are the, separate. The kindergartners yeah. are like cool with the seniors in high school. It's like no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so my sister was she's like three and four years younger than I am. Sure. Some of her classmates to this day will be like, "Oh, hey!" Like if you know, we see see them. Yeah. They may know me, but like I may not know them only because like. I was probably looking at the other upperclassmen or, you know what I mean? It's such a small town. People yeah. know each other through association. Yeah, or, or like parents have went there. Like parents went there with those kids' parents back in high school. Mm -hmm. Like they all grew up together. Gotcha. Yeah. So you grew up in Minko. Um, yeah, what was life like growing up? Uh, the best I can explain it is, uh, for me, it's like any good country song. You know, those country songs of hitting dirt roads and, mm -hmm. and doing those wild things. Like that's how, that's what my life was like. I mean, all, all the good songs, all the bad songs, except I did it in Jinko jeans and I didn't own a tractor, you know? There you go. <laughs> so you were, you were a, a wannabe cowboy. No, not even close. No, I wasn't a cowboy. Didn't grow up, grew up on a farm. None of that. It was just around us. You were just in the city of Minko or the small town of Minko. Yeah. And yeah. Mom, my mom did, uh, she's the nicest lady you'll ever meet in your, in your life. Yeah. So nice that it'll make you upset. She's so nice. You're like, quit being so nice. You know, she's yeah. just awesome. Um, and then, uh, my dad's always been in oil and gas. Okay. So like odd jobs and stuff like that when I was growing up. I chopped wood, for example. Sure. Uh, I hauled hay. Uh, not very much, but I hauled two or three, maybe f 
five different times, hey. Sure. And I realized like I didn't want to do that anymore. It was really, really tough. You didn't like the manual labor aspect of it? No. I mean, I like being physical and lifting weights and tackling people in football. But other than that, it's nothing, nothing I want to do my whole life. I figured out really quick. Mm. What kind of lifestyle did you guys live growing up? Your dad being, I guess, pretty, pretty poor, pretty. No, I think, I mean, just middle. Yeah. yeah. Middle, middle class. Yeah. Cool. Nothing, nothing too, too crazy. And then you grew up obviously doing some manual labor work and hauling some hay and doing everything. Sure. And that kind of shifted your mind and your trajectory of what you wanted to do in life. Yeah. Um, the, the, the job that broke me, uh, I bought my first car. I, I had to work for my car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought my first car with summer with summer money that I earned. Mm-hmm. And the job was at Brahms Dairy Farm. So Tuttle, like I said earlier. Yeah. And Minko, between there is Brahms Dairy Farm. And Brahms Dairy Farm is the first place that I actually had employment at. Oh, nice. You know, other the other place was like, you know, mowing yards, like I said, splitting wood and stuff like that. Um, and I saved up enough money that summer. I was in the maternity barn yeah. there in the summer at Brahms Dairy Farm. Never been around cows. Like even though, like mm-hmm. I said, I, I wasn't. We weren't a farming family. Sure, we uh, it was just all around us. Or like you knew somebody. Mm-hmm. There's like oh, so and so owns the milk, you know, farm or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, and that summer broke me, man. I was like, I because whatever I do, I do it, and I don't. I finish what I what I start, you know. Right, and. Uh, I got to work on a, I think it's a 200 cc or three, I think it's a 300 cc Honda mm-hmm. driving illegally from, from, from my house to Brahms at like 14 and a half or 15, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's how I got to work to then buy my car. But that, yeah. that summer I remember going home after uh, work and what, what time did you have to wake up for that job every morning? I don't even remember. Was I it mean, early? I'm an early bird anyway, so I probably just naturally got up anyway. I don't even know. Yeah. I, I grew up not even using an alarm. I would just get up. Like, what time am I supposed to get up? I would just get up. It was you really weird. A, a really great internal clock. Used to. Yeah. Yeah. So wake up, drive the motorcycle to, or ride the motorcycle yeah, to, yeah. to work and yeah. then work all day. What what job specifically did you do for them? So maternity barn. What is it? So just birthing cows, birthing dairy cows. So what happens there is a, it's all of the pregnant cows. So they are preg checking a cow. Gotcha. Uh, That's gross. I, I My usually, father-in-law does that. It's I really usually gross. worked on the head of the cow. Yeah. And that was where I learned to uh, change fly tags, put in new numbers, sure. stuff like that. Work over the ears. They stayed around they'd the ears. Catch the shoots. You'd retag the cows. Yeah, read yeah. the numbers. Make sure this one's still alive, and mm-hmm. you know, check things off and give whatever them, they told give them me their to. shots. And then I didn't do the shots. I just had the head. Okay. So learn how to use all those tools on their ears, and then how not to hurt them with them eventually. Gotcha. Because so, they go, "This is what you do." And you end up with like with a busted finger because the cow went like that, yeah. and then you're mad. And yeah. I mean, you, I even ripped a cow's ear one time, you know, because you clipped it, I've, and yeah. then they go, and you're like, oh no, I'm, and they're like, get it on the other one. You're like, oh god, this is horrible. Yeah, I'm well versed <laughs> in how. It's funny how cows are, man. But catching them in the shoot like that, some go mm-hmm. crazy, and some are just like, yeah, tag my ear. The but. guy in the back with the long sleeve makes the most money. Well, what I didn't realize, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what I didn't realize when when uh, I worked cows for the first time is that the the ear tag is like that thick. It's it's like a quarter inch thick yeah, going right through thick. their ear. Yeah. yeah, and they just take it like boom. So that, you know, one day you would work over the cows, and they would preg check all these cows, sure. and then the other days. 
Um, I think we milked, it's been a while, uh, we milked the um, the cows mm-hmm. to then feed the calves. Sure. And at the beginning of the summer, you're like, oh, you know, a calf gets out in the pen. They're all in pens. You're teaching them how to eat and like, you know, teach them how to drink milk and you got to water them and the whole did deal. You, but we did had you the bottle feed them? Oh, yeah. So you guys have the, the cow has the calf. Yeah. And then you basically take the milk from the cow. Yep. And- Give Every a, day they give, get milked. Give it. Yeah. Give a small portion of that to the calf to sustain its life. Or where that is, sounds so beautiful. <laughs> it's it, not. No. <laughs> yeah, it's not that pretty. It's uh, they birth the calf. The calf is you know sure taken away, and you don't. I don't remember. I think they may stay with them for a while. But, sure. Um, yeah, it's you don't like give that calf a bottle. Is that what you're saying? No, so like okay. the way I mean, I I've seen it work growing yeah. up on an Angus ranch, which is totally different than dairy cows. Is a milk, yeah, milk farm. I don't know how I don't know how you go from dairy cow giving birth. Do you take all of the milk that mom's producing no. from the calf, or not that specific one? Sure. She births, take the cow, and she, the calves are drinking all the other mom's milk. Is and that then, what you're asking? Yeah, and then once yeah. once the calves are weaned, then they just yeah. keep using the mother cows for production of milk? I'm not sure. There you go. I, I have no clue. Okay. We just ran the mama cows through, got the milk, and we fed all the calves. Okay. So you did that uh, <laughs> working at Brahms. Was that just one summer, or did you do that job multiple years? No. So one summer... Um, like I was saying earlier, I remember going home. It'd be like Friday mm-hmm. and it was summer Friday. All my friends were out like, Hey, we're going out. My parents and everyone's gone. And I would just go home and just sit and stare at a wall. You know, I was just exhausted. And, uh, cause you don't get the best jobs out there. Right. Your summer help. Yeah. You're and 1300 you, people. There's probably not much. Yeah. And, uh, so you get all the nasty weed eating jobs and, mm-hmm. and all the fun stuff. So, um, I was like, I can't do this forever. Like, this is, I don't know how these guys do this. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not because they don't have the crappiest jobs, but it taught me a lesson. I was like, I'm never doing this again. You don't want to work with cows. I don't no. want to do labor yeah. jobs. I don't want to do Calves anything. are cute now. They weren't back then. Mm-hmm. I was like, you, you look at a calf and you're like, oh, you know. Yeah. So at that point in time at your young age, like, what did you decide to do with your life? Because obviously you had a plan or was there no plan? Um, well, so that job made me, I said, I, you know, to myself, I was like, I'm going to college. Mm-hmm. This is, that was it. Just I had going chopped, to I had chopped wood for this guy on the side long, you know, yeah. and then did this. And I was like, I'm going to college. Why did you want to go to college? What was the motivation behind that? I, you know, I think throughout school, you, you have like speakers come to, to the auditor auditoriums and you have those speakers, you know, yeah. they come through. And I remember one of them, it was this, uh, Hispanic girl lady mm-hmm. came through and was like, I'm one in a million. And, uh, I was like, you know, her story was really intriguing. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I'm Hispanic. I'm female. I'm from Mexico and I have a college degree. And I yeah. was like, I can do it too. So that's kind of what got me. Yeah. And, uh, so you graduated high school in Minko. Yeah. In 98. Then, and then when did you enroll in school? Uh, I mean, right after that, yeah, I was going. Okay. Yep. And you went to UCO, UCO. So in North Oklahoma city. And then, uh, what did you major in or what was the, the game plan when you, went? um, I was going to go marketing route. Okay. I always liked ideas. Okay. I always was pretty decent at coming up 
with uh, like one-liners. Mm-hmm. Now I remember like all the kids would be like, all the kids would be saying them, right? Yeah. They would be saying, or you come up with a funny name and then they would be saying it. And I was like, man, I can do that for businesses. Yeah. So that's really, it was that simple for me. Just taglines, one-liners. Tagline. I love marketing. And like, I just like how it was always just such a, uh, it's just so, it's a gimmick. It's a, you know, it's just so fake. Yeah. But whatever you're doing, it has to be memorable, you know? Yeah. And the catchy tune on the radio yeah. that gets stuck in your head. Yeah. What's the one? Uh, like Aaron's Furniture or uh, O'Reilly's. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has the O'Reilly song stuck in their head yeah. 24-7. But it's stupid. But when I think yeah. about where am I going to go get my auto parts. You know where you're going. O'Reilly's. I, mean, I know where I you're going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you got interested in that and got into marketing. And then uh, what changed throughout school? or Well, so marketing switched to advertising because, of course, marketing took a lot of math. Mm. My math ACT score wasn't that great. Sure. So when advertising... I could accomplish the same creative need. Okay. <laughs> and then did you switch to advertising at UCO? So I went one semester at, uh, at, um, UCO mm-hmm. because my ACT score was super amazing. What was your ACT score? Not really. It was like 18. So you didn't have, to, I think it was 18. So you didn't have to retake the ACT score. Yeah. I got an 18. Nice. It was an 18 to get into UCO. I think it was like 22 or something at the time to get into OU. Yeah. And the only way I get into OU is that I transferred. So went there for a year, transferred, or I would have never went. Okay. So you're a Sooner. Yeah. Sooner born, Sooner bred. <laughs> um, so went to advertising BA. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, tell me about your experience in college. Tell me about, you know, how that shaped, you know, you wanting well, so, to get into what you do. Well, so I didn't join a fraternity. Okay. I think after I graduated... What fraternity um, was that? No, I did not get into oh, you one. Didn't. No, I didn't get into one. Um, I, after I graduated, I regretted it. Okay. Only because I realized that there's a lot of networking that I could have been doing. Mm. And then the reason I didn't get into one is because I don't I don't really like getting into clickish settings like mm-hmm. that. Like it just turns into political. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't come from a lot of money. It cost, first mm-hmm. of all. And then um, I already knew how to party. Yeah. And I I just was like, oh, I know how to party and I don't need you guys, you know? Like, yeah. And so I associated fraternities with partying. Mm-hmm. Partying, I didn't need to pay to party. Yeah. But I regret it for the relationships that I could have built. That That's probably one of my biggest regrets about going to OU and getting a degree is the fact that I didn't join a fraternity. For me, you know, I got married at 20. And then we had our first kid at 21. Yeah. And so a Mormon dad of like two wanting to join a fraternity is almost laughable. Yeah. However, yeah. I regret it because I know a bunch of my friends have lifelong connections that they have made. And I've watched people start businesses with other people because the one kid in their fraternities, you know, dialed. And just through association, yeah. I've seen a lot of people find success. So I would almost advise people, if you're going to go to college, Join a fraternity or a sorority. Yeah, get like, into a good one. Yeah. Get into one that matches with your personality and stuff. My personality then was party. So I was like, I didn't need this, you know? Yeah. And I was working full time. I worked full time through college, mm-hmm. waiting tables and bartending, um, developed a great cocaine habit. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Solid strategy. Yeah, it was great. So um, did you go to college for four years? 
the five year. The five the year. Five year. Okay. You did, so just your bachelor's degree then. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yep. you're at UCO, and then basically all those credits tossed out the window to then go to OU for four. Or did you just pace yourself a little bit more? Um, I don't even remember. Okay. It just and that doesn't even that's that's kind of how I function. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I did it. Like when I do something, I do it, and I already for I don't know. It's been too long. I'm for, four, I'm forty two today. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so. So, dude, like, I don't know much about you other than knowing, like, the media production with Design Tunnel that you do now. Yeah. Um, what life events took you from, I guess, studying advertising in college and yeah. stuff like that? Did you get into advertising right out of school? Um, what do you mean? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, after so when I graduated you, college, when you said school, I thought high school. I was like, yeah, what do you yeah. mean? When you graduated college, did yeah. you go immediately into advertising? No. Okay. What print, happened? I was a print designer out of college. Okay. How did you land that job? Um, our My capstone was for Sonic mm-hmm. Drive-In. Mm-hmm. So we actually got to present to Sonic Corp. Okay. And we did research and everything for that. Mm-hmm. And I did all the graphic design for that campaign. Really? Yeah. So I, I fell in love with the graphic design programs uh-huh. and it allowed me to come up with the one liners that then was to pitch the idea in the campaign. Did you have anything that stuck and went through all the way? You know, uh, salads. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was before salads were on the menu at uh, Sonic. I can't say that we helped them do that. Make but that decision. We sure. did. You pitched yeah. the idea to them. Yeah. And it just kind of maybe put the yeah. thought in their head and then eventually. Well, I mean, I don't want to take it that yeah, far. Yeah. But, but I will say that's probably why the place that hired me hired me because I had Sonic stuff in my portfolio mm-hmm. uh, because Sonic was a big client of theirs. Gotcha. And so. Yeah, so I was a print designer for three years at this place mm-hmm. um, called called Automatic. Uh, they help uh, design and develop the uh, quick service uh, menu. Mm-hmm. So like drive-in housing, the stall, mm-hmm. the speaker, the intercom system, how you place an order to a quick service restaurant. Wow, that's what they made there. So I designed a ton of quick service restaurant menus. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's it's useful. What I think yeah. is interesting is when you talk, it, it has to come from somewhere. There's yeah. a business for everything. Yeah. So how long did you do that for? Three years. Uh, three years. And then um, I actually, I quit to go work at a place. Mm-hmm. And then I quit that place the same day I started and went back and asked for my job back. <laughs> so I ate some humble pie is what I'm trying to tell you. Why did you quit? Um, I think with any, uh, employee, you know, like you're, you're trying to figure out how much money can I make? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been here so long. I want to raise, I, I think that's probably in every employee's mind. Sure. Um, and like, where am I going? Yeah. Right. And so I'd been there long enough that I was like, I think I can go make some more money somewhere else. And then, so I was going to, and I got a job doing it. It just so happens that when I went to that, you're going to love this. When I went to this place, mm-hmm. My manager was rather large. Big boy. Big girl. Big girl. And, uh, wow. So okay. it's Not, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm probably like eight feet away from her, and she's just like this. She gets me on a project, and she's like, she's sleeping and snoring. And then, Your first day on the job? First day on the job. And I was like, oh no, this isn't a good sign. And then, they asked me to do something They're like, Hey, we need this brochure made. And I was like, yes, I want to do brochures. And it was a, um, it was a book of products. Like 
not creative marketing. A like catalog, basically. A catalog, yeah. And snap I, a photo of a product, throw it in there so with the price. with all the, the nasty price. specs, right? Mm. Which is fine. Um, I just didn't, that's not what a brochure was in, sure. in our interview. And uh, so I just went to HR and said, hey, do we need to work on this? This isn't a brochure. And I'm like, well, that's what we call a brochure. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be able, like, I quit. <laughs> so I was like, she's sleeping and this isn't a brochure. And then I just humbly went back and asked for my job back. They gave it to you? I mean, because like, what yeah. else would you do, right? Um, yeah. yeah, they did. I guess, yeah. They if, did. If uh, I... I always find it's hard to hire help. And if yeah. I had a guy quit and leave to go chase, we had a guy like this in yeah. my tow truck business. He quit to leave to go do his own thing. And he realized yeah. really quick that it's not as easy as he thought it was, or sure. the, the situation he put himself into wasn't as great as, as he thought it was. And yeah. he came back and he ate a slice of humble pie and he's, you know, one of my best, yeah. you know, workers and we've promoted him by now and everything like that. And sometimes life deals you that hand and you play yeah. it out and, just happens. Yep. So you went back to work for Automatic. Left later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, did like animation work. Helped the company create about mm -hmm. 300 environmental health and safety training classes. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Uh, and when you did that, was that writing the script, filming, shooting? So sc scripts were written. Okay. Um, and then our teams, uh, we, we created the art and the courses. Okay. So, so you create just, the art and the courses for all, every bit of that, like animated, illustrated, mm -hmm. you know, shown pictures, whatever it was. We, it was pretty cool because we had creative freedom to create whatever we want there. It allowed us to make it as entertaining as we could. Yeah. You guys are taking an idea and creating an artistic rendition of it to right. pitch to people and to sell it. Yeah. Um, so after you got done working there, you know, where did- where I went out on my own. Day? I went out on my own and then- uh, I officed, my wife was working full-time corporate HR. Sure. Um, and so we were like, we're making enough money. Yeah, you go do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's where the, it's, so I was at this pretty cush job, um, you know, creating the safety training that mm -hmm. was like, just make us some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And there rarely wasn't, like sometimes there was deadlines on stuff and sometimes there weren't. And like, as long as it was cool, it was okay. Just like, super relaxed, laid back. Yeah, super relaxed, great, yeah. Um, but then whenever I uh, quit and I was like, I'm going to do graphic design mm -hmm. and office out of my house for about a year and a half. Um, and, you know, I kept out, obviously out of your house. It can be hard for a person like myself. Especially uh, if you have kids. So, so, well, no kids yet, but, uh, I kept my busy, myself busy with drinking vodka, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, after you're hiding the vodka bottles and stuff like that. Yeah. And you get through that and then you work on yourself. And then you have a kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, so kind of we worked through that, my wife and I, and uh, we officed. I went in an office with a guy that I used to work with at the first job at mm -hmm. Automatic. We officed together about four years. Um, and then actually, I guess longer than that, we used to office here too. Okay. Um, we were going to do a partnership. He had a client that came to the table. And, uh, we're like, man, it'd be really cool to do all these other things too mm -hmm. for you, but you don't have a budget. Hey, why don't we go ahead and do all these things together, the three of us. And then, uh, so we did like, um, physician, phys physician work mm -hmm. and did like a bunch of physician bios. It all started with the project was a physician directory. 
right? The physician, physician directory. And then I was like, oh man, what if all these physicians had bios? What if they all had, you know, you're searching and you're looking for one and they all had bios there on a website. So you were officing out of here. Yeah. So uh, the physician directory and then we're like, oh, this could be online. And then it just keeps developing. You know, you got three minds and three, obviously, entrepreneurs yeah. that we can do almost anything together. Really great team. But um, what happens out of that is, you know, you lose a friendship and then you don't do a partnership. Uh, I know that that's definitely my fault. And then, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, anyway, so that's my fault. And then. Um, during that time, I'm working on this company and this brand mm-hmm. that's technically not ours and neglecting our main company. Yeah. Right. Because we're all using our own companies and subcontracting to each other, to our companies. And so I just learned a really hard lesson that work on your own company. Yeah. Right. You know, like no matter how good something can be or like we've did some solid work and we we did a lot of money for like three or four years, you know, it was a good business. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Um, so that's just, just like a hard lesson. You mm-hmm. know, you lose a friendship and, and you, you, you do that as well. Um, but I like to do things the hard way. So like when things get too boring for me, I like to go ahead and, you know, inject a little spice it up. Yeah. Like a little, you know, let's make this harder. Let's take a drink. Uh, let's, let's make this harder. Let's do a drug. Mm-hmm. Now it's more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the podcast is the bison hour. And mm-hmm. yeah. I think a lot of times it's something that's not talked about is people struggle with drugs and addiction. You know, uh, I had a podcast the other day where the guy said, you know, he likes to hire people that are the right people, people he can trust, people that yeah. he can depend on to show up to work and stuff like that. And I've found that owning business is the best thing in the world if you're a disciplined person you will have all the freedom owning your own business that you want to if you're disciplined. Yeah. And I think one of the, the the downsides to that is if you're not disciplined, you occupy your time with other things. Sure. And for a lot of people, it, you know, it's, it's drugs and alcohol. Sure. Um, which, you know, that was your struggle. That was, oh, yeah. that was what you had to go through. Yeah. That's, that's been my main, um, struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, gratefully, um, you know, there's, it all sounds like easy to talk about now. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's, what's hard to like, that's why it's hard to share. Cause it's like, it's not as easy as it sounds, Yeah, you know, um, getting to where we're at today wasn't easy Yeah, and it really wasn't easy for like my family. Right. Sure. Um, so stuff like that, like no one gets to see and that part of the story gets missed. You just get to hear like, Oh man, that sucked. Sure. Wow. Good job. You know, it's like, that's not even close to what it's like, uh, in the relationships and the, just the emotions and the lives that it affects. Yeah. So that's one of the hardest things that I found just yeah. being married and having kids in general, when yeah. you're single, your decisions kind of only affect yourself. Yeah. When you start a business, your decisions affect all your employees, your sure. business and et cetera. When you get married, your decisions affect your wife, yeah. your kids and all of that stuff. Um, it's a lot more responsibility. It's a lot more weight on your shoulders to not screw up. Sure. And, um, well, someone to someone like me, like none of that matters because what happens is the thought process is why does it matter if I'm not going to get caught? 
that's the thought process. Sure. Unlike yourself. Sure. You're like, no, there's consequences. I'm like, there's only consequences if you get caught, Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's true. And that's, yeah, that's how a, a whole of, different mindset. Then, and that's how people yeah. think. Yeah. And, yeah. and then it, it, uh, it catches uh, eventually up to you, right? Yeah, it does. It could take, you know, it could take two days, two hours or 20 years, but it catches up eventually. So how long did you have an issue with drugs and alcohol? Oh man, teens to uh, probably like 39. I'm wow. 42 today. So you're, you've been sober for the last two years. Uh, yeah, May, May 20th. May 20th or May 11th of 2020. Congratulations, man. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I had well, hit a bottom. Let's talk. We'll, I hit we'll, bottom. We'll about, go. I probably hit bottom about 10, 10 to 30 times, I'm sure. So. Let's let's rewind the story real quick because I want to yeah. hear about some of these bottoms and, and you being able to push, <laughs> okay. you being able to push through, yeah. you know, those to, sure. to get to where you are. Like, I want people to understand that, you know, starting a business, being an entrepreneur, getting to where you want to be not only takes time. But the struggle is real. Yeah. And if you have other, I guess, vices outside of yeah. just running a business where you're going to have to deal with problems and problem yeah. solve on a regular basis, it's it, it takes time. Apparently, it's not challenging enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah media production wasn't challenging enough, so I had to make it harder on myself. Exactly. I just wanted to give myself a, an Achilles heel. So yeah, exactly. I can I mean, strengthen that's, it. That's really what I tell myself. I'm like, man, you know what? We've made it, we've made it all these years doing all these things. Um, because March of this year will be our 12th year in business, believe yeah. it or not. But really, we're just now starting business. Yeah. You know? So did you go straight from the company that you were at to opening up Design Tunnel then? Yeah. Yep. What was the motivation behind that? Um, well, yeah. I think, you know, just like the lady that was making pies and then her friends told her she needed to go start a business, she did it, right? Um and then she realized that there's more to business and running it and doing taxes and mm -hmm. billing mm -hmm. than her friends even knew. Sure. <laughs> there's a lot. Right. There's, there's a, a lot. lot of paperwork. And uh, there's a lot of. That's like if anybody says they're going to start a business, I'm like, I got to ask you some questions. Um, I just thought I could make more money. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I could make more money, uh, you know, charging like a $65 an hour graphic design fee. Mm -hmm. And you can. But you have to have those clients and projects. Sure. Who's going to go get that? Yeah. So I officed out of my house uh, the first time. Uh, we may have just totally cut this show back to the beginning because the whole first of this show is boring. We can edit it. Okay. Um, I made like $15,000 my first year officing out of the house. It probably didn't help that I was drinking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So... Uh, that definitely played a factor, but I also didn't understand what it was going to take. Sure. Uh, one of the best things I feel like a business can do if they're going to start a business, mm -hmm. start a business on money you have. Don't go get a loan if you don't know what you're doing. That's really good advice. You know, because I would have went out of business a long time ago if I would have taken a loan out. Yeah. Yeah, I've had businesses that I financed personally and gone and gotten loans for. Yeah, it takes my businesses a lot longer to be profitable yep. when I'm financing them, just because that that payment has to be made. You got to pay the piper. Yeah, you know it, it is what it is. Yeah. So you started with your own money, or you just your own tenacity. My wife was working full time. We had enough money going on, and it was like, okay, yeah, we can do this. You can perpetuate this. Yeah. For you only making fifteen thousand dollars your first year, she must have had a lot of faith in you. I, yeah. It's like, are you sure my, this is going to work? My like, poor wife. Yeah. 15 grand. <laughs> so what did you guys do your second year? Uh, I can't, I think I doubled it. Okay. Yeah. 
I what, mean, once I got, you know, yeah. straightened out. <laughs> what did design? What did design tunnel look like at that time? Just a camera and a computer? Man, no, so it wasn't even. It was. I had a. Uh, so how I got there was at the place I was doing environmental health and safety training. Uh-huh. The owner didn't want me to do. They call it as an old term moonlighting, okay. which is freelancing on the side. Mm-hmm. So creative director really don't want you moonlighting, and then you know you need to make a decision if you want to stay here or not. So I was like, I'm out. I got this. Yeah. I, d- I did have a steady client that was like uh, doing um, employee wellness programs. Mm-hmm. And that's how I bar- bought my first camera because they want to do videos. And it was something that we were doing EHS training. Mm-hmm. I got this. I learned how to use a camera, run good audio, self taught all that. Um, yeah. So I had a steady client. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how we, we got yeah, started. Helps, yeah. Helps pay the bills and kind of gets you going. It feeds yeah. you a little bit and then gives you the motivation yeah. to look for more. I was doing uh, print design. Mm. Uh, I was doing websites. And then I realized that the way that I was doing websites wasn't probably the best interest in the best interest of our clients. So then sure. I started like just handing those off to some other companies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just because they could do it better and give the client what they wanted faster? Or? Um, I was looking for a web developer that knew what they were doing. Like mm-hmm. I knew everything that I shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Like I can make your logo change out right here. But like, if you want to take it to the next level, no, it needs to be built a better way. It needs to be like, if there's an actual media, like SEO plan involved, mm-hmm. we need to build this from the ground up the right way. Sure. You know, how important do you think that is for young business owners to realize that if you are not good at a job, obviously you can learn to get good, but that's Mm going to cost you a lot of time and it might cost you a lot of money, but being able to outsource work like that, how important do you feel like that's been for you as a business? Um, That's a two part question. uh, Cause we have partnerships that we rely on as, Mm -hmm. as if they are our team Mm -hmm. and we function that way. However, if, if it's work that you want to do mm-hmm. and like you, you think you want to move that way. Uh, something that I used to say up here all the time at our office, you're getting paid to learn today. So there's nothing better than getting paid to learn. Yeah. Right. So we got the project. Maybe you're not getting as big of a rate as you want on it right now. Sure. But you're getting paid to learn today. You're learning how to do all the stuff yeah. that we need you to do. Um, so, at the start of Design Tunnel, did you just run that out of your house mainly? Yeah, so I was there about a year and a half, and then uh, me and uh, one guy that worked at Automatic. Um, we went. He was quitting his job. He went the more web route, went mm-hmm. web design oriented. We went and uh, we rented an office together. So I went and got an office, and uh, we split rent. I think the rent was like four hundred bucks, and we were like, "Whoa, I don't know." Was that here? No, no. Yeah. Um, so what was, uh, where did the struggle start to pop up in business? Well, I mean, like, even like with that, I would say, even if that, that relationship, like, you know, Minko, they didn't teach us about business. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad didn't teach us about business. Everything's always about relationship or just doing what you said you were going to do. Sure. Um, as, as simple as let's say that we have a $400 rent and you know, we have two rooms, one room is the video studio. Sure. The other one we're splitting. I learned business 
whenever we started splitting rent. So first we split it down the middle and then like say after six months, right? A person comes to me and goes, hey, you know what? Um, you use more of the space. I think I should be paying less. Mm. And I'm like, all right. So I learned business then. And it just seemed like everything in business is that way. And mm-hmm. you really need to start thinking about it that way. Yeah. Um, if you don't, like, you're not going to be in business. It's hard to distinguish between that, though, because you. I know you. You're mm-hmm. a giver. Like, you like to help people and you yeah. like to, to do what you do. I'm a giver as well. But oftentimes, if you don't put your foot down in business, people walk yeah. all over you. Yeah. And I'm sure you've learned a lot of hard lessons the hard way. Oh, yeah. With experiencing that. And I, I definitely have as well. Yeah. Um, so he comes and asks you for more rent. Oh, of course. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, no problem. Usually, usually everybody's always right. And I'm usually wrong. You know, yeah. and my wife would be like, quit playing your little fiddle, you know, I'm like, yeah. well, but that's sometimes how someone feels. So, yeah. If you can't talk about that, then how are you going to sure. start labeling? Yeah, your feelings you to talk through that. Your feelings about not wanting to pay rent are just as justified as the guy who thinks that you should pay more. Yeah, why yeah. shouldn't you have that argument? And why shouldn't yeah. you tell him to stick it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, it, I mean, it could be as I mean, this is really weird, but it could happen. I wouldn't put it past anybody. You have more square footage of the place, so we want you to pay more of the cable bill now. I mean, I just wouldn't put it past anybody. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't really ever have to. Sure. Your lack of their yeah. business production and yeah. their, their gross revenue is not yeah. your problem. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here five days a week. Can we take internet out of mine? You know what I mean? I just wouldn't put it past anybody. I think you have to be prepared for those conversations. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten like older and done like a lot of like, you know, the partnership that didn't work out, mm-hmm. that was paralyzing to me. I re- a lot of it was my fault. Some of it probably wasn't. However, um, it's three people involved. There's three stories, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that can be paralyzing. And what I, just like a callus on your hand, the amount of drama, the amount of, you know, conversations that happen. Mm-hmm. Like, like there was a time, like, I think you just build up a callus to it. You're like, yeah, I've dealt with that crap before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, whatever. Like, and not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I think it's just in a way that, you can um, move on and be productive. I feel like I've learned that a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, I don't lose sleep over very much. And if I lose sleep over something, then we're going to talk about it yeah. very soon. Do you feel like that's something you've built over time? Just that that callous to making tougher decisions or making the correct decisions for your business? Well, I mean, we've already kind of talked about it just a tad already, but um, being a hundred percent clean and sober Mm -hmm. and like knowing that I'm not going back out and knowing that it's something that I have to work on on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. um, has allowed me to focus on things that mean something Mm -hmm. and allowed me like on a personal level to grow every day. And then like even on business grow every day. So like every day I wake up now, I'm not like I'm present in every way that I can be. And like, th- there's nothing going to like, there's no like chemical dependency or anything like that. Or like the thoughts that are going to slow me down. Like, I'm not going to be obsessed about, Hey, when am I going to get my next drink? I wonder if we're going to drink this. You know what I mean? Like what comes, right. some people aren't going to get that, but some of you guys are, um, yeah. but there's none of that to d- distract us anymore. So, and I don't want to like replace one mm-hmm. addiction with another. Yeah. Um, so, but 
I mean, you're absolutely right in that aspect. Like my guys argue with me all the time saying like, you know, uh, you know, drinking's not bad or, you know, drugs aren't bad or, you know, like they, uh, a lot of people that I know will argue that. And yeah, it's like, listen, it's not that I care about what you do with your free time. Yep. It's the fact that you're occupying your mind with how can I get my next hit or how can I get my next drink? Yeah. Whereas successful people, their minds are occupied thinking, Yeah. how can I make money? Where's my next deal at? How yeah. can I grow? And I know, yep. you know, that shift from where you were to where yeah. you are, like you said, I feel like my business just started. Yeah. It sounds like quitting drugs and alcohol is the the big pivoting moment of your career. Oh, yeah. And even though having yeah. that at, at 39, um, 42, well, or yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, 30, 39, 39 is yeah, when yeah. you, is, is when you stopped, like I'm slow, dude, I think it, no, it, <laughs> yeah. I think it's an amazing story that you can, uh, how long have you, how long did you struggle with drugs and alcohol? From what age? Teens to 39. Wow. So literally almost your entire life yeah. up until, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, did you did you have the belief that one day I'm not going to do this or? No, I, rem- I remember uh, one conversation between my sister and uh, what my, was the my wife. Point? Well, one the conversation between my sister and my wife uh, was like, they said something like, oh, yeah, because um, like Jimmy like hell will freeze over before he stops drinking, you know? Sure. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, I mean, I used, to, I used to, anyways, they were right. But then look at us today, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of, like my family's like, they just can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it either. So what changed? Um, well, like I said, you have to hit a bottom and usually getting there isn't the, the prettiest of things. Uh, and, and I think for a lot of us that are people like myself, uh, we hit, we hit it more than once, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some, I heard like, uh, your bottom's not really your bottom. The, the lowest you can get is death. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not dead, you haven't hit bottom yet. Mm-hmm. So you can still get back up. Yeah. But working through all of that and, uh, isn't, isn't the easiest. Um, I was going to go to rehab or mm-hmm. work a 12 step program mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so the chicken shit that I am, I wasn't going to go to rehab. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it'd be too much work, <laughs> right? That'd be too, uh, too much work to do. Sure. And I have to take off work. And so the easiest route would go to, to a, a DAA program mm-hmm. or an AA program. So for the audience, an AA program is an alcoholic, uh, anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous program. Mm-hmm. And the DAA is Drug Addicts Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I met with these guys on zoom and then, uh, you know, I'm all crying. I, I'm, I might cry today on this show. So, uh, anytime I talk about that, I usually get pretty emotional. I appreciate the vulnerability. Yeah. Um, so these guys, uh, I was on a zoom meeting and like four of them called me back the next day. And, uh, so I kept coming back and it was just the first group of people that like, understood where I was coming from that Mm -hmm. like, why, why can't you stop? Why can't you, you know, like do those things? And, um, they, they just got me. They knew exactly what you were going through because they'd gone through the same thing. They get it. And then like you even, um, some of these guys, I never did heroin. Mm -hmm. I never shot up. Um, but these guys are saying, uh, I'm a heroin addict, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I'm cleaning this over for like, two or three years Mm -hmm. and then they're like, and they're happy and they're saying that they can help me. 
So, Why yeah. 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 It sounds like the community really made you want to, or it was yeah, to support you. I needed. believed them. Well, and also like at your bottom, mm-hmm. you're not in the best state of mind. You're alone. You're alone. No one understands you. And then you, you also have like, if anyone's like kind of going through this or if they have someone in their life that's mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, going through the hard time with drugs and alcohol, the person that's using or drinking, if they ever say they want help, that's only going to last for like, it could be three minutes. It could be three days or three months, but it's more likely going to be three minutes. Like they're going to have this idea that they need help. And then like, if they do, that's when you help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause if you don't like, they're just going to have to go back out, get the, get beat up again, you know, do it all over. It's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. I know it's tough. There's, um, I remember I, I watched this YouTube video a couple years back, but um, back in the Vietnam War, uh, a lot of soldiers were doing heroin, you know, okay. uh, in the jungle. That Sounds like a bad idea. Well, that's just what the soldiers did. So opiates are super common in okay. Southeast Asia and stuff like that. And so these soldiers would go to yeah. war and there's a big concern back here in the United States. A lot of people knew that their husbands and boyfriends and, you know, their young men were out in Vietnam and I think it was up to like 90% of soldiers were using heroin on a regular basis. Wow. And their fear was when everybody got back to the US that everybody would continue to be a heroin addict. And what happened was just the opposite. Members of the military came home, they surrounded themselves with their family and friends yeah. again and stuff like that. And just because of that change of environment, they were able to um, stop using heroin. Yeah. A couple of years later, there's a study done with mice. They take, um, uh, they take a mouse and they they put him in um, isolation mm-hmm. and they give him two water bottles, one laced with cocaine and the other one laced with, or the other one just regular water. And the mouse that's in isolation drank the cocaine water until he died. Okay. Whereas they took the same water and the same cocaine water and they put yeah. it into um, a different cage. And this time they made the cage as fun as they could. All of those little contraptions mm-hmm. that mice run yeah, through yeah. little... I don't know, Ferris wheels and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, and they added other mice in there as like a population yeah. or as a, a group of people. And this time uh, the rats would still, or the mice would still, you know, drink some cocaine water, but no one overdosed. <laughs> Everybody yeah. drank regular water on a regular basis. And the conclusion of that study is, is oftentimes when people struggle with addiction, it's natural for other people to want to force you out of yeah. th- their life. And it's true. Like I had a sister that struggled uh, with addiction for years before she died. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like we ostracized her, but she almost ostracized herself. Yeah. And because it comes with the territory. It does. Um, and the problem is, is what we're learning or what the study concluded is that when people are isolated, they're more subject to being addicted to the same drug because they feel alone and yeah. they want that high. But the answer to addiction is not isolation. The answer to addiction is not pointing the finger and saying, you're yeah. wrong, you're bad, stay yeah. away from me and my family. It's community. It's it's bringing people together. And the scary thing about today's world is that people are building you know, bigger houses mm-hmm. and separating themselves from other people. People choose more floor space over human connection. Yeah, people I choose more you. technology over yeah. human connection. And addiction is rampant right now. Yeah. And I think it's because so many people feel isolated. And so for, yeah. for those people, what is your advice? If, 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 if somebody's listening to this and damn it, if we could save one person yeah. um, 
and somebody struggling with addiction, what's your advice to them? Uh, I would just um, look for an AA or an A group or a DAA group mm -hmm. and go to a meeting. I get some help. I mean, cause you only have, like I said, like the three minutes or three days or something like that. It's not going to last very long. Yeah. I mean, it's probably like 24 hours or less. I shouldn't use the letter or the number three. Um, but you only have that, that little bit of time that you're going to be willing and ask for help. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you're going to be off to the races again until you feel like you want to do that again and, get, and getting and there again, isn't going to be, yeah. Mm -hmm. So not only seeking help, but finding it and yeah. and just doing yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great rehabs. I mean, these rehabs and um, halfway homes and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. uh, you can get into are solid programs. I mean, they, they just are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's it's just a whole different way of life. I mean, the first step of um, the NAA program or DAA program is, uh, you know, is, is my life uh, unmanageable, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's all can't keep it together. Yep. And then, I mean, just because you can't keep, or maybe you are keeping it together, but you still know you got a problem, you still mm -hmm. might need to go get some help. Yeah. Um, so, out of my journey. With that group, uh, I got a sponsor. I would say get a sponsor too. You got to yeah. get a sponsor. Just an accountability partner, somebody to yeah. to push you and help you and check in with you. Right? Yep. And you know your sponsor's there to push you through those twelve steps. They're not there to be your friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll listen to you. Trust me. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I've learned the power of sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And um, so I worked at twelve steps. And with that, what what comes out of that is more of a I'm more of a spir spiritual person today mm -hmm. than I've ever been in my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my wife and I, we're not big into church sure. and those kinds of things. Uh, but I grew up in church. Yeah. Um, and now today, I mean, I'm praying on my knees before I come to work. Sure. Like, because that's, that's what my sponsor said to do, and that's what those guys in the room were doing. They said, and I believe them based off of the things that they tell me. Yeah. And they said that's what they did. Like you don't have to believe in anything. Yeah. You just got to do it because it's the willingness that starts it. Yeah. Reaching out for higher power beyond yourself yeah. is. Um, I think it's about as as humble as you can get. Yeah. And uh, it's awesome that you were able to find that. Yeah. So why do you feel like you're more spiritual now than, than ever? It's just because you need the help to. I pray every day, man. I mean, I mean, if you go from like zero to this, like where I'm at today, I'm always chasing. Um, not, I don't want to say chasing because I'm not chasing it. Mm -hmm. I would just say I'm living in where I, like this whole new world today yeah. every day. And I appreciate it. And I know that like every day that I live in it is a blessing. It just gets better. Yeah. It just gets better. Like I keep meeting new people that like, you know, if you surround yourself with no one yeah, and you're not going to meet anybody and life isn't going to get any better. Mm -hmm. And uh, with my business, I was stuck, you know? Sure. And especially if you're in your own head mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe you jacked up a partnership and you're, then you're stuck too. You're like triple stuck. Mm-hmm. And now I know I have resources, I have people to call, I have these tools that I've learned from this program. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just seems like 
the more that I just keep doing what I'm doing, everything's just easier. You yeah. know, it's, it's, I'm not making it difficult anymore. Yeah. You weren't self-sabotaging anymore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I was great at it. What I love about your story is, um, just the constant battle to get through drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, while you started your own business and then, um, being willing to change at such a late age in life. You know, I, I feel yeah. like if I was in your shoes, I, I'm, I'm 28 now, but if I was 28 and I'd been hooked on drugs and alcohol for the last 15 years, I'd kind of feel like this is going to be me forever you oh, know? Yeah. and just kind of accept my fate of I'm going to be an alcoholic and a drug addict for the rest of my life and hide it as best as I can. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people are in that situation. Um, how... That's where I, I was at. Yeah. That's where I was at. I was yeah. labeling myself as this. I was labeling myself as this. And it wasn't good. Yeah. You know, I, I think something that's uh, misperceived uh, uh, by some is uh, I'm going to call normal people. Sure. You normal people out there <laughs> um, is the the power of choice. Like it's a choice. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is a choice to drink a drug. But like what happens to that person is like, eventually there it's like their willpower and their choice is gone. It's like starting a diet, mm. right? Or like, I don't know. That's probably the best I can kind of explain it. It's like their will, their willpower is not there anymore. Like sure. they just keep finding it in their hand or like, that's their only solution or like one more time. It's going to yeah. be different this time. And I think that's, it's the power of choice doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's hard for people to wrap their head around. Yeah. It's also the the power of per persistence too. I can't tell you how many diets I've started in my life yeah. and how many diets I've failed yeah. at. But then, yeah. you know, it, it really took me until this last year mm -hmm. to say to myself, like, I'm not a chubby person by, by nature. Yeah. Like I had to change my identity first before I started to uh, come to terms with like, dude, I... I like eating healthier stuff mm -hmm. and now I feel like a million bucks, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, but in the circumstance of, of you, um, change your entire life. Yeah. Well, I mean, like what happens, like you hear, like you said, a diet, a diet means that you're going to Restrict. not be on it. Yeah. You're not going to be. So what happens like whenever you go, okay, I'm going to have a cheat day. Well, in the drug and alcohol world, What's a cheat day look like? Getting blasted. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So like when Overdose. you when you go back out, yeah. it's that much just the same as you ate your food. Right. Except for a person like me, I have to wake up every day and I have to work on that every day, which is fine. I'm not not saying that's a bad thing, but it's a I'm big just deal. Well, I'm not trying to get anyone's pity. Sure. I'm just trying to say that in the form of a diet, you think about that way. Like I'm never going to eat chicken again or sugar. Let's just talk about sugar. sugar. I'm never eating sugar again mm -hmm. because it tears my family apart. Yeah. Well, that wasn't enough. I want some more sugar today. Right. Yeah. So then you, you see what I'm trying to say. I just want to really push that point if I can, because oh, that's yeah. what matters. Dude, if you said, hey, Dakota, you're never going to eat sugar again in your entire life, you know, because yeah. it's destroying your family. Yeah. You have to weigh that options. Like my family more important, whatever, but there's some times that what if no one would know? Well, <laughs> just yeah, joking. Dude, just but, but that's the thing is it's like I'm just you know, there's there's a lot of issues, drugs and alcohol yeah. and everything. It's so accessible nowadays. It's Oh yeah, it's, all these dispensaries. Oh, I can't even imagine it's gonna get worse. Yeah, it I 
I mean, my opinion about cannabis is different yeah. than that, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to resist a lot of dopamine hits in today's society because yeah. so much of it is accessible. Yeah, I think yeah. I think we live in a society where you know um, the devil is cheap dopamine. Yeah, that's sure. that's that's the downfall of man in today's world. It's finding a way to get a cheap dopamine hit. Well, I haven't felt as well as I do. I mean, I remember feeling like this, like when I was high school, mm -hmm. you know, like I need to stop. I need no, to as in like, I wouldn't like, I mean, I played football and I left the weights. Like I mm -hmm. love doing that. I love a good physical workout mm -hmm. and I still do today. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm just feeling good, like energetic. I don't need sleep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that today. And it's just a whole different lifestyle. It's because I have not putting like a bunch of just nasty stuff in my body. And, uh, I get up and I work out Yeah, I do my morning meditations and stuff like that. My whole routine's totally different. Right. But, um, I don't think a lot of people, just the food that they eat out there right now is just dragging them down. They didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's me recently. I'm down 25 pounds. Yeah. And like I said, this morning I put on a weight vest to go do, you know, my workout and it's 30 pounds. And I was like, dude, I just took this off of my body. I was walking around with an extra 25, 30 pounds for two and a half years. Yeah. And that does some, some damage. It has to, yeah. you know? Um, but at, at the same time, like cutting out a lot of processed sugar and cutting out these things, like I said, I, before I felt like my body was a Honda Civic, it could get me from A to B. It ran great. Now you're Ferrari. Decent, decent, yeah, decent, <laughs> decent vehicle. Now I feel like a Ferrari. Like yeah. I only need five hours of sleep at night and yeah. my head comes bouncing off the pillow and I'm ready yeah. to go attack the day and get after it, you know? Um, and uh, it, there is something to living a disciplined life. Yeah. There is something to saying no to outside influences and things that are thrown in your face to, yeah. to aspire, to live something better. Yeah. We I, had a client come through here the other day and he was like, we're making this stuff, blah, blah, blah. That way, you know, like the car wreck you had, Jimmy, then you could just take this and you'd feel a little bit better about it. I'm like, no. I don't understand why people are trying to like feel better about something. Yeah. Work through how you feel like yeah. is what I've learned so much <laughs> over what's little journey that I'm on. Yeah. Um, that it's like, no, you need to work through that. You yeah. don't need to take something for it. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not an option. You know, it's uh, it's weird in today's world. My wife just got in a car wreck. Yeah. You know that yeah. she broke her back and they prescribed her and we're talking 30. I don't remember what the dose, but they, they prescribed her Oxycontin. Yeah. They gave her so much for her injury. Um, they gave her some muscle relaxers and stuff like that. But day one, she takes, you know, a uh, uh, half an oxy or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that, that did the job. And after about a week, you know, she took an oxy probably every day for about a week. And after about a week, she's like, I don't need this anymore. Mm -hmm. There's, there's probably 25 pills still left over. We got to make those sales. <laughs> I, like, why do you, yeah. why, do, why do they give you so much? And, yeah, I don't know. and it's, you know, it's, it's sad, but you know, it's the world we, we live in, um, where again, it's, it's so accessible. So, um, let's talk about since you've been off the bottle and since you've been yeah. sober, um, what what major business plays have occurred or or what things have you noticed that have changed drastically just in business? Like most people would argue that, well, if I want to make more money in business, yeah. I gotta work harder, right? I gotta no, I gotta I grind disagree. harder. Yeah. Whereas what you're telling me is I worked on myself and I changed 
I, I fixed the leaks in my dam in my personal life. Yeah. And that made me more lethal at work. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You said it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it. Um, through sponsorship and, you know, working on myself Mm -hmm. and then actually working the 12 steps, doing all 12 of them. Um, I learned a lot and then, um, I, then I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready for a business coach. Mm. And so I reached out and then I, I got a business coach and like, we really didn't have the money to do it at the time. But like, I felt like that was the next thing that I needed mm-hmm. because I was still kind of stuck. Like, mm. so how yeah. do you like that? I like it a lot. Cause, yeah. uh, I mean, my business coach, um, Michael Morrison, um, what's up, Michael shout out, <laughs> uh, you know, he's like, I want to say he's like my sponsor. He's my business coach. He's a therapist. He's like, he's a, he knows every part of my life basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, because everything in your life affects your business. Yeah. If you're really want to get honest with yourself. And so I think that's what he can appreciate with me is the, the honesty of where I'm at, Mm -hmm. where I, where I want to be. And I think where we want to be is still being figured out. Mm Mm-hmm. But everything that where we want to be at today is way more attainable and we're going to get there way faster mm-hmm. than where we were. Like before it was, oh, I want to, we can do all this work. We mm-hmm. do good work. Like I knew we did good work. And I know we could do all this stuff, but right. it's a whole different, um, I, I think people can feel the difference. Like mm-hmm. talking to me, someone the other day was like, Jimmy, I feel like you've leveled up since I've talked to you last, like your business. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, I don't know. You just seem more like sound on everything that you're saying. And I was like, it's just because I'm clean and sober is what I'm thinking. You know, sure. like is I've already believed all the stuff that we can do. Like part of it is believing in what you can do. Mm-hmm. And so now we're just kind of starting to tell everybody, everybody about it because we're not sidetracked and making life hard. Yeah. You're not focused on the no. dumb BS that. No, I got to focus on, you know, building relationships and the right kinds of relationships and making sure our staff is happy and Mm -hmm. giving raises and doing the things to create a healthy environment Mm -hmm. to grow our business. It's the little things that count in business. Yeah. It's it's the small minute decisions. Yeah. I feel like that, that make a successful business versus an unsuccessful business. Yeah. Um, Well, Jimmy, if you had, any advice mm-hmm. to your former self or any advice to a young up and coming kid from Minko, Oklahoma, um, that, that aspired to own a business one day, you know, and, and run a, a successful video production company that's growing and sure. growing and growing. Um, what advice would you give to young people? Um, don't get caught up in making excuses. Um, excuses are just an easy way out. And uh, don't hang around a bunch of people that make excuses. That's it. Yeah, that's so, it. Don't surround. make excuses. Go go take action and get it done. No excuses. Make a surround plan. yourself with better people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like what uh, what what has happened, like let's say I, I may not, the lifestyle that I live today is attracting the exact same people, like the exact same people that like, the whole, like the whole lifestyle that Mm -hmm. we're living today, like everyone's great. Everyone wants to do things with their business. Yeah. It's just, it's a totally different, whatever you put out there, you'll attract. So Mm -hmm. you better be putting some good stuff out there. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I've made a I've, I've made a big push recently in my life to just surround myself with the best people possible. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're doing the that's podcast. That's why I'm here. No, I'm honestly, just that's, that's why I wanted to do a podcast. It was yeah. like, how can I surround myself with people who I think are amazing or superheroes or running these businesses, people that I aspire to be like, yeah. how can I get around them more? And it was like, dude, I can, I can have them on a podcast, give them some social media content, try to add value to their life sure. that way. And the hope is that I change as a person because I get to interview cool people all day. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a selfish desire, but at the same time, like the, what it's grown into is I want to get the message out there to everybody that, Hey, life's tough. Like life's going to knock you down if you let it, if you, if you let excuses rule your life, um, you'll, you'll stay wherever you're at. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Oh yeah. It's changing without you. And then surrounding yourself with better people just puts you in better environments, different connections, you know, don't, don't stay in Vietnam, go back to your family, go back to, to people that love you and, and work on that. Yeah. That I think that's, well, I would say nothing's, if it's worth achieving, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be that easy. Absolutely. And I've, I've heard some like younger people recently go, yeah, it's not that easy, but I'm going to put the work in because I want it. And I was like, I maybe feel like an old man, you know, mm-hmm. but I was like, yeah, nothing easy is just like, you see all these videos like YouTube and stuff. Yeah, um, make 10K, everything, how yeah. I made 10K in a day playing yeah, It doesn't happen. I mean, it might in some very rare mm-hmm. circumstance, but that person probably didn't make the video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, nothing as easy as it looks. And nobody's, um, nobody's as patient. What I love about your story is how patient you were with yourself and just going from 15 grand to 30 grand a year to yeah. slowly while battling your own demons. Well, and I'll tell you, um, so today my wife works part-time. Mm-hmm. We have a family of five. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, our company is a sole provider. That's a total flip-flop. Yeah, And we have a really big um, goal for revenue this year because we can, yeah. we can make goals today. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Jimmy. If you guys need any video production in the Oklahoma city area, Tulsa area, where do you guys go to? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. If you're in the state of Oklahoma, yeah. you need Texas, Kansas, TV commercials, yeah. marketing, we anything stuff out like of state. that. Yeah. Jimmy is your guy. He's fantastic. Thank Dude, you. I appreciate you being so vulnerable with us on the podcast. Um, I appreciate your influence in my life. Thanks for being on the Bison Hour. Yeah, thank you.